0: Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Joining me on the show this week is Gary Pierce. Gary is an automotive educator with Transport Training Services in Northern Ireland, He's joining me on the show to talk about exactly that, education in the automotive realm. How do we prepare students to go out into the field and start their careers? What are some of the challenges? What are some of the good things about doing it? Um, what do apprenticeships look like and how do they benefit the students? And Gary's from Ireland, the other side of the planet essentially, and I think it's pretty cool to get to talk to people. I've been able to do that recently, people in the UK and Australia, and get perspectives from other parts of the world. And I know we have listeners of the show from other parts of the world as well. Uh, so I really enjoy getting to hear the, both the similarities and the differences uh, between here and there. So with that out of the way, let's jump right in. But Yeah, thanks for reaching out to me again. I know we were trying to connect I don't know, for quite a while and it just just didn't work out and you get busy and oh i'm gonna get back to this and then i never do and
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no i know how it goes it's um especially with teaching you months go by and you, you're like oh crap it's somewhere right? You know, right you know, yeah so. once that
0: school year starts th- those first couple months are just a whirlwind of trying to keep up with everything and <laughs> yeah yeah that's it how um how is your school year going where you're teaching? Yeah, it's pretty good. We, um,
1: this will probably come up like, but we uh, just had like an open night last night to try we're starting to think now about September and recruitment, you know, um, our training center, we are independent. So we don't have, uh, you know, September to kind of June um, semester or such. We work all Mm. year round and we don't take like a big chunk of time off in the summer, like the schools would over here. Um, so, but we we're already, you know, thinking of the intake for next year and uh, and trying to promote that. And so, it's been pretty, pretty hectic. Gotcha. Um, last night, I didn't get home until sort of ten o'clock after the, the open night. You know, maybe so hundred students, potential students, come through the doors. So
0: nice. yeah, really good. What? Uh, so you guys only take in new students once per year, or?
1: We can take them anytime we want. Um, you know, sometimes we'll get students jumping from another college Mm. midway. um, and we'll try and squeeze them into a class that suits them and and that type of thing. But we typically do a big intake every September. That would be, you know, we're we're waiting on the kids leaving uh, high school and then they would get their summer and they would be, you know, spending their summer trying to find jobs and things like that. And then we would get them in September and start their training.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, just for the listeners, you're in Ireland, uh, correct? And what part of Ireland?
1: We're in Northern Ireland, um, so the island of Ireland, I suppose, but we're, we're, we, we're a wee bit up north. Um, so I'm close to Belfast, um, the capital. Where I work is about an hour from where I live. It's um, uh, near a town called Antrim. Um, it's quite central in Northern Ireland, which is good for, for uh for our training, and we get kids from all over the country. Cool. Going. So, um, you know, it's better travel. That's
0: awesome. But, yeah. Well, uh, I've never been to Ireland, but uh, I am Irish. I got, a, I got a little bit of red in my beard here. So, <laughs> 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 um, That's awesome. And so the um, the place you work for, is it transports? Uh,
1: Transport training. Yeah. Instance, tell, yeah. Tell me
0: about that. What, what the what that's all about.
1: Yeah, So we're an independent uh, training center. Um, We we have just uh, been merged with our parent company, which is um, Transport Training Board. So they're like a UK-wide charity um, whose intention is to improve anything they can really in the transport industry. So whether that be technicians, drivers, managers, whatever it happens to be. Um, So we typically um, look for apprenticeships, so they, uh, I don't know if you have
0: like an apprenticeship scheme over there. Or, and I like it. Yeah, not as much as I would like to see. That's actually one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, um, because we, we, d- I mean, it it is out there. There's some places that do it, but it's not prevalent. It's not required, and um, yeah, I th- I think it would be a big advantage if there was more of it for these students entering the field.
1: Yeah, it's quite successful over here. You know, um, the, You know, we're part of the UK, um, so we, we, we follow their kind of guidance, I suppose, but we'll have our own government, so we have the Apprenticeship NI scheme, um, and we also have a thing called uh, – I keep changing the name of it – the Skills for Success, and then it was uh, – skills to succeed and, and now it's like a traineeship thing so the whole idea being that um young kids can come out of high school at 16 like i did um you sign up to um we have government colleges here mm-hmm. um so they're, they're technical colleges um so you can sign up there for whatever course you want to do whether it be you know a technician power mechanic um where you can do electrician plum and all that type of stuff um, and then they will support you and train you for your three or four years, however long it takes until you become qualified. And then you go out and, and work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we are, um, we work on the same scheme as the government colleges, but we are not funded by the government. We have to make our own money to, to be able to run these things and keep the doors open. So we're independent. Um, okay. So we rely on a lot of the other stuff that pays the bills, you know, um, but the, the money still comes from, from the government as we train these kids, uh, but we don't get, we don't have a big budget like they would,
0: you know. Gotcha. But I, I, I would imagine being independent, it's kind of nice because you can construct uh, the courses in the school, you know, the way that you see fit
1: um, yeah, to, I mean,
0: to benefit the kids.
1: Yeah. There, there's definitely a certain amount of freedom that comes along with it. You know, we can, uh, we would do a lot of, uh, on-site training for maybe private companies and things. That, mm. uh, and we can pick and choose what we we'll want to do that way and we can deliver the course whatever way we see fit. Um, we obviously have to follow the guidelines of the um, the, the qualification uh, provider. You know, so we would use the IMI. I don't know if you've heard of the IMI. It's the Institute mm-hmm. of the Motor Industry. Um, okay. So they're like the, the government body that decides gotcha. what qualifications, what the what the requirements are for the qualifications and things like that. And that's that's who we use for the apprenticeship as
0: well. Um, so what is the for certification of a technician, you know, once you reach a professional level, what do you guys have over there? Because for us it's ASE. Yeah, so we would
1: do um there's there's two kind of main ones. Um the the examining board for one of them is called City and Guilds. Um, and the other one would be, the main one would be the IMI. Yeah. Um, and so the kids have come out of school, they'll spend two years doing a level two. Um, and it's, it's normally called, uh, level two light vehicle repair and maintenance or heavy vehicle repair maintenance, whatever one you choose. Um, and then so you do two years of that, and that's very much, um, removing and refitting and learning the basic systems. Um, once you qualify for that you move into level three and then we're starting to look at um, diagnostic side of things you know whether it be electrical mm. faults or a knock of noise from suspension you know whatever it needs to be um so you, you you typically three or four years depending on which college you go to it might be three it might be four years we do it in three years Um so that the guys will come out at the end with a level three qualification and that's considered the minimum uh, standard that you really want your technicians to be at but
0: there's no law requiring it, unfortunately. So. Uh, okay. So they do, they have to be certified in order to be working on vehicles.
1: No, uh, well, the, the, the government don't say that you have to have a level three. It's, um, over here, say you were a, a, gas fitter or, you know, like a plumber. Um, if you want to work on a system that burns natural gas, you have to have a qualification to say that you're safe to do that. We don't have that in our trade. Um, so. I think this is how the apprenticeship scheme kind of come about, I suppose. They're, they're, they're trying to find a way to govern that um, and promote people getting mm. qualifications so they have a minimum standard. But you could leave school, find a job in a, in a local workshop and just learn by experience and stay there for 30 years and never okay. have a qualification and still be.
0: It's Yeah, it's the exact same over here is, you know, the certification is encouraged and, you know, we we do at school too. We we prepare them to go get certified. But yeah, it's it's not required. You could hand you could hire a guy off the street and hand him some tools and have at it. Yeah. You know. And um, I've always thought that was that was interesting about this industry that it, it turned out that way. Um. So with these apprenticeships, are the students going? two shops and working there during the school year or how does that work out with their classes? Yeah. Well, the, the way we do it is slightly different than let's say the government colleges. Um,
1: we bring that. We, we try to mimic um, manufacturers training techniques where our kids would come. So they leave school. They're, they're completely finished with high school. They'll come to us and they have to get employment. So they'll have to have a job from day one. They spend seven weeks at work, just working every day. And then they come to us on the eighth week, and that's their block of training. So they'll be with me for five days, um, learning mm. whatever subject will happen to be on that week. And then they'll go back to work afterwards. So there's a lot of, um, emphasis on hands on learning with a mentor at work,
0: you know. So if they're going to do that with a specific shop, do you, as the school, collaborate with that? That shop or that repair facility, so that you know they're at least on the job, getting the correct information or the correct training when they're away from the yeah, school. Yeah, we.
1: Um, my role is their their assessor. Um, part of that is that in between that eight week cycle, where they're in in the training center with me, I have to go and visit them at least once um, in that eight week schedule, and then I go out and. The, their qualification, their level two or level three, whichever they're on, um, is split into two halves. So they have a VRQ, which is um, a vocationally recognized qualification. And the way I describe it to them is basically that's like the theory um, and the online tests and the written assignments that they have to do as part of their qualification. The other half is the VCQ, which is a vocationally uh, vocational competence qualification so i have to go out and physically watch them do a certain amount of tasks you know whether it be fitting brake pads or pulling bits off the engines whatever it is um, and i
0: have to decide yes you're competent to do that that role or that job. Gotcha. have you ever run into an issue where maybe a student was getting some um trying to think of the best way to put this just poor training or information from a place that they were working. Right. Maybe somebody that's got some bad habits and they're transferring that on to a younger person. Cause I, I mean, I've definitely seen it in shops and that would be a concern of mine sending a student out, you know, like what are, what are they learning when they're <laughs> working with one of these guys? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I've been guilty of it too when I've been teaching
1: apprentices before I become a a trainer, you know. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, you see the, there's the way it's done and there's the way it's supposed to be done. Uh They're doing it the way it's there. You know, the guy they're working with has been taught it this way and he's been taught it that way. And you know, those bad habits are maybe a hundred years old, you know. Right, right. You know, so you definitely see it, but. To a certain extent I can't do anything about it. All I can do on my end is teach them this is how you're supposed to do it and this is the correct way to do it. We're following you know, I I very much try to teach them the manufacturer built this car, they know what they're talking about. They say you have to do it this way for a reason. Yeah, you can take a wee shortcut here or there with a bit of experience, but you know, you can't be just doing your own
0: thing and and botching this thing together and Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um what courses uh do you actually teach or what areas of the vehicle do you cover
1: uh the way i i basically get an intake in september so i get a class we we have quite small groups which is good we would have a maximum of 12 students per group um so once i get that group they're essentially mine for three years so i take them from you know block one we're looking at health and safety um uh, we do what we call a G unit, it's a general unit, so it's like health and safety, working with others, tooling, equipment, you know, absolutely, you know, you have to remember some of these kids are coming out of school, the only time they've ever seen a car is when they're in the back seat getting a lift,
0: sure. um,
1: and then so we, we gradually build them up, you know, through chassis, through engine, through electrics, through transmission, right, and I cover all
0: those subjects. Um, okay, gotcha. From A to Z. Awesome. Um, yeah. do you have a favorite area that you teach or favorite subject you like to go through? Depends on the group. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I kind of, uh,
1: recently I, I've got, you know, I've really fell back in love with, with the diagnostic side of things. I kind of have a love hate relationship with electrics and, and all that type of stuff. <laughs> uh, depending on where I've been working. Um, so yeah, at the minute I, I, I'm, I'm doing, I have a couple of level three groups, so they're doing a lot of diagnostics. So we're doing stuff on a oscilloscope and um, you know stuff like that. I really enjoy trying to get them to the connect, connect the dots with their their bolts and their amps and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, it's uh, yeah, that's that's the flavor of the month at the minute. But then I could bring another group in, and then we'll be tearing an engine apart and going through the basics of you know this is a
0: piston, this is a con rod you know if they're enjoying it i'm enjoying it that's kind of right you know yeah and and you're right every student group is a little bit different their own personality skill level obviously and what they're going to enjoy and get into so it's it's always interesting you know because i'll have i have a group of about 16 and i have them for two semesters which is from september until may the following year and um So we get to know each other pretty well, but yeah, in the five years I've been doing it every year, it's been a different atmosphere in the classroom, in the shop. So you kind of have to, I spend the first few weeks just trying to feel it out and see where everybody's at and what kind of personalities I'm, I'm dealing with, but I I definitely enjoy that. It's, it's kind of just, it mixes it up. Right. Um, it's not always the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It's, uh, oh yeah. It's, I mean,
1: my first year teaching with TTS, I, because I was a new trainer, I had no workload. So I took nearly the entire uh, caseload of students that came in last year. We split them into three groups. So I was teaching every group, the same subject for three weeks in a row. And, you know, after six months, that was getting pretty mind-numbing. So you have to try and mix it up and, but each group had their own characters, you know. Some of the lads were were burning cracks, some of them were very quiet, some of them were have a bit of an attitude maybe, you know, so you kinda gotta feel them out, like you say, and and yeah, and you learn how to work with them and they learn what they, they expect from you and you, you kinda find out what they're all interested in and sometimes they just let them walk away to workshop and see whatever stand they go to and start talking about, and, right? Gotcha, and what you're into. So let's let's focus on that for a while or you know. Sure. Do you guys take in live work at the school? We can't. I mean, the students will ask them, we bring my own car in. You know, I need to do this, that, and the other. And this, so we will try try and let them if we can. But what we don't want to happen the problem is if you, if, if they, you know, I want to do a clutch in my car, they bring bringing in, the clutch is wrong, something breaks, the thing's stuck in the ramp for two, three days. will they try and sort out the issue. And then that means all their classes are missing out. And so, yeah, I mean, our building's quite small in the scheme of things. So yeah, we would, yeah, we can't really, we, we try, but it's, it's just not practical, you know, we have a lot of yeah. vehicles there that we can use. Yep. So it's better just let them tear away at them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, we've run into the same thing. We do, we let them bring their own vehicles in, um, but you do have to really be vigilant of what project you let them take on. Cause some of them are very ambitious, and they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Like, I want to put an engine in my car. All right. Well, let's just let's look at the time we actually have in shop, your skill level, and all the things that could yeah. go wrong. <laughs> on top of that, so this yeah. probably isn't the best idea. So, um, but I, I do like I I like having a real vehicle in the shop for them, especially if they're doing repair stuff. But even diagnostic cause some of the school cars, cause we do, we have a fleet of donated vehicles yeah. that don't get driven. They're just there for students to work on. But it's like, once you take something apart three, four times, it, you know, it, it's not the, quite the same as the real world. And students really are tough on vehicles as I'm sure, you know, and so stuff gets oh, broken yeah. and yeah. <laughs> doesn't go back together correctly. And, uh, it's uh it it yeah <laughs> right right it, it's the times you open the,
1: the, the boot of the car and there's a whole pile of trims and, bolts <laughs> and, screws and you're like lance where did these come from or, i don't know yeah <laughs> it wasn't <must> me <laughs> <be. laughs> yeah no i mean i i try to do i like to have a live vehicle especially for the diagnosis like if we're just doing level two and it's right today we're taking Break this apart, and we're going to bleed the system. Like that doesn't matter. It's you can let them use the same cars over and over again. They're going to ring the bolts. They're going to lose bits. So let's not subject somebody's pride and joy to that. Right. But the, you know, uh, about two weeks ago, I had a, a level three group. And we we're looking at ABS. My own car had a fault. I've already diagnosed it. Know what's wrong with it? Thought you know what. I'm, let the guys have a look. It can't do that much harm, mm-hmm. you know. So I just let them tear away at my car. There's two other cars with simulated faults and you know, I've been in hacking away out doing what I can to, to, to produce a decent fault for them. So you know, a real world fault is, is it's hard to hard to beat, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well I I found it's it's more difficult than you think to break a car in a specific way. Um, yeah, funny. I was, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts and you
1: were talking about that. And I was like, do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head there. You, you can study a wiring diagram and you know how that system works and you, you do something to it and it does something totally unexpected. And you're like, <laughs> Maybe I don't know this. What did I do wrong? I you know, right. and I think you'd about, you said about you—you would get the students to put faults in themselves. I tried
0: that myself, and it didn't go well. You know, <laughs> I, I've definitely <laughs> chopping wires. Yeah, I've definitely had that backfire on me for sure. I have to supervise pretty closely as far as them installing faults. Like, I want them to explain to me first. Okay, what? Do you, how are you going to break this? What are you going to do? Can? Is it going to be repairable afterwards? And, um, it, it's a good, um, it's a good thought process for them though, again, cause they have to understand it enough to break it. Right. It's not just, mm-hmm. we're not just hitting it with a hammer, right. We're trying to induce a certain symptom or, or fault and you got to understand it to do that. Um, so it's. It, it definitely can go sideways on you, but I like that project with the students. And I, actually, I've gotten some good feedback from them. We just went through it recently, and a number of them enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, and it's a little bit of competitiveness, too, because I have them swap groups after they plant the fault and try to figure out what the other group did. And so they're kind of like, oh, we got to figure this out you know, before the other group does and uh, anything to get a little bit more engagement. I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely competition. Um Big, big incentive for them. You know, they're trying to one up each other and, you know, so. Yep. Yep. That's, that doesn't work for everybody. There's definitely certain students where that's not the right recipe, but um, quite a few of them. It, it definitely helps motivate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the guys that that are,
1: Genuinely interested in an understanding what's going wrong or how do I guess this is the best way? I mean, they're few and far between for me. A lot of these guys are are still being taught out even in the in the manufacturer's workshops. You know, it's the part scanner comes out. It's just like scanner for code needs that part bone didn't work. Oh, what do I do now? And then they start backtracking and trying to get these lads at an early stage to think, no, that's not the, the the correct way to do it. Yeah, it's quick, and if you get away with happy days, but what are you really learning? You know, so and. You know, so if we put faults in, I, I hate putting faults in. Um like your options are kinda limited, you know, unless you really get into it and start, you know, hiding resistors or something. You know, most of the time it's put mm-hmm. a switch in and the first thing they do is they start pulling the wire in them apart, oh look, there's a cut wire, there's a switch, and they go, I fixed it, and you go, Well, how did you fix it?
0: And they're like, Uh yeah, so I found this button <laughs> and I pushed it, <laughs> you know. So right, I've definitely had that where students they take the mindset. If I have a bugged vehicle, they'll take the mindset of what did Sean do to this car?
1: Yeah.
0: As opposed to actually testing, getting results and using a process. Um, so that's that again, that's why a live car is nice. I almost like it when I don't know what the problem is, you know, which a live car is most of the time, because then there's no way that I can nudge them towards the fix where, Mm -hmm. I found myself, if I, if I planted the bug, of course, I know what's wrong. I might do some nudging if they're going in the wrong direction or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if I don't know what it is, and they're making a good case for chasing something, I'll be like, all right, let's test that. Let's see what happens. Let's go with this. So, yeah, as, much, as many live faults as I can get as possible are nice. But like you said, we're not taking in vehicles from the public. So, there's only so many live problems that we can get into the shop yeah yeah it's you know sometimes as well even if i don't know what's wrong with it i'll just tell them to do and be a
1: wee bit smug about it and it sort of gets them going you know, And then that's a the competitive thing we'll have to figure it out guy knows so mm-hmm. you know it's 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 kind of funny to do that but the, we got a couple of cars recently delivered from a, another training provider that they're helping us out and it, it came off the transporter the, the electric handbrake fault with or, or the electric handbrake fault and I have no clue what's wrong. But I haven't had time to, to you know, to even think about looking at it. And so I brought it in. Says, "Right guys, crack on!" And I just let them tear away. And you know, for me, just sitting back and watching what to do, you know, it's more. I don't care really if they find a the fault. It's more, are they taking the right approach to finding that fault? You know, it's we try to yeah, jump in that yeah. systematic thinking. And at, at this stage, I just want them to think about that. You know, so what can I, What tests can I do? What should I expect to see? As opposed to, you know, a third, following that route, they're on the right lines. It's still early days, you know.
0: Yep, that is uh, that is the mindset. It's definitely what we want to get out of these students is testing and process and interpreting results. Um, but it's it's tough because um, I think very few of them come in with that. And a lot of them, like I was mentioning before, they'll mimic what they see at their jobs in the field where people aren't, they're doing exactly what you say, pull the code. It needs this part. If it doesn't work, then we'll go to the next part. And then if that doesn't work, we'll send it to the dealership. I don't know, or send it to a different shop. Um, And that's, that's just the general mindset um, that you're kind of fighting against. But No, we'll just, I'll keep, I'll keep going with it. And I've, I've had, you know, mild success. I think (laughs) at at least, at at least they are aware that there's a different way to do it. Whether they decide to actually put that into practice or not, I don't know, but at least they know, okay, I, I could be doing it (laughs) this way. I could solve this problem. No,
1: I mean, I, I don't expect lads to be coming out after three years, you know, uh, I tell them all the time, you know, you'd be qualified after three years, yeah, but like it's going to be six years before you really know what you're doing, and maybe at that six year mark, they go, "Ah, oh, geez, remember, guy used to say, there's a better way to do this. Let's look at that," and then they start their own journey and start yep. figuring it out and and, and taking it a little
0: more seriously, you know. Yep, hundred percent agree for sure. I mean, that was the same for me too. Like, I was when I left tech school, I was nowhere near you know ready to tackle yeah. the hardest problems it took a took a long time just to just to get there to be able to utilize some of those skill sets but yeah i'd say there's very few of us leave leave training and, and think right i'm an expert you know what did uh you do in the field before you taught yeah uh,
1: so uh, i was uh, i've moved around a bit so i i i left high school um at 16, joined the tech, um, got a job with a, a dealership. It was um, Renault, a French uh, company. I don't know. Do you have Ranald over there? You, I'm not even sure. We, well, if we do, I don't ever see yeah. him but I've heard of the company. Yeah, so Renault, they're a French brand. Um, everyone hates them. Their their electrics are notoriously bad. Um, but I, I went in there, um, served my, my three years with them, and stayed on for another four after that. Um and I knew no, no different. I loved them. I thought they were brilliant. I thought that's all I ever knew, so you know, I was just oblivious to the rest of the brands and this is how you done it, so it was great. Um but I stuck it out there for seven years in total. Um and then I left to join an independent. So I've always worked quite local. Um Northern Ireland's so small. Um, you know, the the area where I lived and worked there was you know, 40 garages walking distance of each other. So, um, okay. I, I knew this guy that I ended up working for. Um, he's a really good, good guy. Um, and he just phoned me one day and things weren't going well in the rental dealership. And we had heard rumors that they were going to shut that particular branch and we were all going to get shipped around. And he, and he just mm. happened to phone me and says, like, do you know anybody? And I said, stuff will come So I went down there and got the shock of my life, realized I knew nothing. Um, and had to start all over again. So um he done a, a lot of uh, diagnostic work at the time he was really really busy we would have been working overtime to one in the morning some nights you know it was crazy but he'd done quite a lot of diagnostic work for other garages in the area too so we were seeing some some really mm. mad faults way i learned hard and learned fast um <laughs> okay. I thought I was a good diagnostic tech in Reynolds. I'd, I'd been through the manufacturer's training um, done the service maintenance technician done their senior technician they called it at the time. I was hoping they get on and do master technician but uh, there was already two other master techs in the company at that time so they didn't want to pay for me to do it and there was probably a lot of other guys there too that were better than me at the time so yeah, went and done the independent thing for about three years Um, Loved it at the time, but uh, we were working on a lot of older vehicles that were troublesome. You know, it it was getting to the point where every single job had a broken bolt, a seized, whatever. And I was just, uh, I was missing the the dealership um, way of doing things for a while, you know. Sure. So, um, started looking around and seeing a a local dealership. Um, It was a Hyundai dealership at the time. um, So, got a job with them just as a technician so just doing everything uh, service work warranty work whatever it took um i was there for about six months and they promoted me to a foreman for uh, to the workshop controller whatever type you want to give it um so i was basically a senior technician there was myself and a couple of other guys were working there um some good guys um but they had a lot of apprentices as well they were relying on them for um, doing pdis and service and stuff and um, so I was kind of looking after all them plus trying to make my own hours up and I was getting all, uh, every diagnostic job that came in the door, I was having the sort out as well as babysit these other guys. And, um, so I stuck that out for three years in total and then decided, right, I need something. I need a wee break from diagnostic work. I'm getting a bit, uh, bogged down with this stuff and it's, you know, I need a wee break. So again, another local, another yeah. local company, which was actually a, a it was a tar center um they would have done their own maintenance work as well as tires, but tires was the primary so they're actually a bridgestone uh, dealer firestone i guess um, um so oh, okay. they're independent sure. family run place the, the dad started the two brothers run it really really nice family um so and i was really friendly with them so i went up there and you know got a real good uh Weight lifted off my shoulders and I was able to kind of just take it easy for a while, but it was all servicing and timing belts and, um, you know, clutches and all that type of stuff. And they were doing it. They were dabbling in a bit of sure. diagnostic work, but I don't think they had ever had a technician who did as much diagnostic work as I had. So when cars were coming in, the, the, the equipment they had was pretty basic. We had a, a snap on scanner there, uh, but no one really knew how to use the thing properly. And, you know, my, my first month there, I spent pretty okay. fixing. Faults from the previous guys, uh, um, schedule, you know, it was all comebacks and things like that. So got it kind of all sorted. And I started saying that, you know, they were bringing, they would have brought cars in. Yeah. You know, the Warner Nights owner was in for a service and would notice the light was on. So they'd go, look, scan it for a code there, see what you can do with it. So I would come back and go, yeah, it's got this fault in it. I can test a few things. Do you want me to do it? And they're like, well, yeah, sure. And then I would go and do it and they'd be like, how are you able to do that? You know, so it kind of uh, I was, was kind of my own worst enemy, to be honest. I started, but we started taking more and more of that work on to the point where I was doing that flat out again, as well as all the other stuff. Um, so I, I ended up staying there for six years. I think it was. Um, it was it was only ever meant to be like a year, okay. You know, just to get the head sharp for a bit and kind of get the focus back on. But they were good to work for, and but to- towards the end of it, I, I could feel my Mm-hmm. Uh, enthusiasm and, and sort of passion and all that just fizzling out. And I was just getting bored. You know, I was again, we were working a lot of older cars. You were doing a lot of, you know, suspension rebuilds, brake pipes, you know, everything was rusty again. And it's like, I'm back to this, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. What am I going to do? But I ended up I actually, uh, started getting a bit of pain in my arm, um, to the point where I couldn't even lift a, a watering can up or an oil jug. Um, and things were were getting a uh. bit, bit tight that way, so started looking around again, and, and the training gig came up. And um, I thought, uh, like, I'm never going to get this. I don't have any, you know hardly any qualifications to do it, but I'll stick my name in the hat. And so I went and interviewed, and they liked me. And I've been training for you know, three and a half years now. So
0: nice, nice. Yeah, it's um it's it similar to you know what I was doing because I was at Firestone. And yeah, you do a ton, a ton of suspension work and alignments and brakes, And then we'd get the diagnostic work. But if it was something where you're really getting into the weeds, the mindset of the store and the, the managers were, we just want to get this thing out of here because it's not profitable, right? We're, we're Firestone tires. People come here for tires and then we do service on top of that. We're not here to spend you know five six hours on a car so the the diagnostic side of it was just kind of an afterthought most of the time it is what i enjoyed the most but you know i just kind of took it when i can get it but yeah your feelings are right on i just kind of got bored of the same old same old changing parts changing parts put an engine in this put a transmission in that more yeah. bolts more nuts you know and it's it's good money if you're on flat rate um and I, I made a lot of money there, but yeah, it's just sort of yeah, you lose your passion for it. Um, and it was the same thing for me. I was I was on the advisory committee for the college that I'm teaching at now, and that was actually where I attended. And my former instructor was retiring, and I was at a meeting, and he was just saying, "Hey, I'm going to be retiring next spring," and I was just kind of I was just kind of joking around with him. I was like, "Oh, it'd be cool to have your position," and he's like, "Well, why don't you why don't you put your name in?" You know, sign you put put your resume in. I'm like, I've I've never taught before. You know, I'm just a technician. He's like, I'll oh, just try it, and it all sort of just worked out somehow or another. I feel like I was super lucky that it did work out, but I've I'm definitely happy I made that that transition. Like you say, your body can you know only do that at a top level for so long, mm-hmm. and yes. uh, it takes a bit of I, abuse on it. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Mm-hmm. So that part of it but the the teaching side of things too it's so i find it so challenging a lot of the time that you know it really requires you to to be on your feet to think to come up with new processes you're plus you're working with so many individuals right like there's there's personal relationships with the students yeah. that you have to you have to figure that stuff out on top of all the other car stuff and it's challenging, but I think that's why I like it so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it was the challenge I was looking for, but it was another wake-up call too for me. You know, it's uh, I got totally blindsided coming into it. it was, I remember handing my notice in and I had to work four weeks, and I spent the whole four weeks and didn't sleep a night. You know, it was just like, oh, <laughs> I made the right call, and I, I'm I'm so I'm going to be out of my depth here. These lads are going to see right through me. You know, all this type of stuff. Yeah. And, You know what, after a couple of weeks, settle down, you know, and you kind of start figuring out what you need to do and and get on with, you know?
0: Yep. I had that imposter syndrome thing. Yeah. Uh, Some days I still do, but it was definitely present when I started. But, you know, I found out, or I I have found for the most part, if you just, you're genuine, you know, with the students, you're not feeding them any BS And, and- Hey, I don't know everything and I make mistakes too. You know, they're, they're going to connect with you and they're not looking to call you out on everything you yeah. don't know. At least maybe you get an occasional person. But <laughs> most, most of the time they're just, you know, they're like, all right, well, let's, let's learn together. Let's grow together. And I, yeah. I found that to be pretty successful. I think there's a, there's a lot of credibility to who haven't just left,
1: you know, I, 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 would, say to them you know i'm just off the tools. you know this is new to me and you know they're like well he's been doing this right up till now so like he's got to know mm-hmm. what he's all about you know um i think maybe if i'm still doing it in 10 years it might be different like oh i've been teaching here for 13 years like well, if he hasn't touched the car but you know
0: that's all me to kind of stay on top of that i suppose but um what do you do for training and keeping up to date on stuff
1: I would have, uh, right up until I started this job, I would have done work for myself, you know, helping out friends and family and helping out uh, a couple of friends have their own garages and things, so I would have helped them out too, but uh, I've got a pretty young family at the minute as well, started having kids, so that side of things has kind of slowed way down, at the, uh, it's pretty much stopped now, um, but the, the training thing really big on the agenda at the minute, i been doing loads and loads of of training with different colleges. Um, Mm. There's a guy over here who's unbelievable. Um, He really is. I don't know whether I should name drop or not. His head will be swelling up. (laughs) 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 No, he's pretty humble, this guy, actually. He's great. It's a guy called Alan Kerr. Um, So when I left my job as a technician, I only had my level three Repair and maintenance. So it was the, the bare bones, but like I would, I would have had manufacturers training as well through Hyundai and Reynolds, but they don't count for anything once you leave that garage. You know, some independents might go, Oh yeah, he's pretty well trained, but it's nothing official on paper, you know. Um, so I had to do some training, obviously, for the teaching side of things. I had to go back to uni and do a qualification to, to, to teach me how to teach, I suppose, um, which was, uh, it was, Total alien to me, but I'm really glad I done that. Mm-hmm. And then I started focusing on. I think the first year teaching, what I realised was there's a lot of stuff here that I recognise but can't remember, or there's some stuff here that I just don't know that I thought I knew. Um, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be standing in front of a class going, "Yeah, I don't really know. I just bluff my way through right. this," you know. So. I went back to the, the technical college with this guy Al and I completed a, a level four qualification, which is um, the IMI call it uh, advanced automotive studies. So, he, and he really got me back into oscilloscope and stuff that I hadn't used in the tire depot for a long time, um, which was class. So, I really got the passion back for that. So, up in, and then we've done our IMI level three and level four uh, hybrid electric vehicle. Training, obviously, it's it's so important at the minute um, with, with the trade changing. Um, so, mm-hmm. again, never had any experience with them in the garage other than, you know, maybe servicing one. And, but, like, when they come in, we used to be like, oh, geez, I don't want to touch this thing. I know nothing about it. I mean, they're going to yeah. – you hear the horror stories of guys pulling the sump pong out and draining the oil. And the next thing that, that starts up on them and they're, you know, seizing engines and, you know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I don't want to be that guy. So, you know. So I've been I've been doing a lot of a lot of uh, classes and, and qualifications on that side of things and'm trying to just get the get the CV padded out for one thing and then just get the knowledge up on the, on the newer stuff and and relearn a lot of stuff that I maybe learned years ago and forgot about you know share share sure. a busy couple of years you know
0: yeah definitely it's uh it's career definitely keeps you busy that's for sure yeah <laughs> um, how did, uh, through the pandemic, through COVID, how did that work at your school as far as, I, I don't know what the restrictions and lockdowns were over there, but were you, did you have students in person? Did you have to do the online thing or? Uh, we went through a couple of different lockdowns, you know, so back the very first,
1: when it really kicked off sort of March, what was that, 20th, yeah. Um, yeah, Everything shut down. Uh, It was kind of scary, to be honest, because like nobody knew what was going on. But, um, we we were quite lucky. Um, our, our senior management, you know, very quickly said, look, you're going to stay on payroll. You're going to work full time from home. What you're going to do this month, you know, for, so for the end of March and all of April, you're going to stay at home and you're going to make up training resources and we're going to go Mm -hmm. online. So that's what we've done. We stayed online, worked from home didn't speak to anybody from work probably for a good six weeks. Um okay. I just sat and made, you know I, I tried to focus on making like very cut back presentations that I could present online because we knew um all the rumours about Zoom and, and Google Classroom and all those things were all flying about. So Yeah. You know, let's let's try and make this user friendly because I am not uh tech savvy on the on the you know online side of things and I'm not a big gamer or anything like that. Um, so I had a really crash course, uh, that sort of yeah. stuff. So yeah, uh, so work turned around and says, look, um, they, that we ha- because we work with the government, we had to kind of get their permission almost to do this. And all our students mm. had, because they're employees, uh, um, did you have like a furlough scheme over
0: there or anything where, you where the government was covering wages? Yeah, in certain situations that that would happen. Over here, they pretty much nationalized the
1: wages. Um, The furlough scheme covered virtually anybody that wasn't deemed an essential worker, you know, like nurses or, um, Mm. you know, that type of thing. Um, But all the garages over here were were, uh, forced to close, except for the work on, like, uh, essential workers' cars. So you might find a garage that maybe had 10... 10 mechanics in it normally we're down to two guys just keeping the keeping oh, wow. the, the essentials running so all of our students went on furlough immediately so the government basically told us that we were allowed to continue training but we couldn't force them to take part because they were technically not working and was oh. how i understood it anyway so we we, we reached out to our students and all the guys we had at the time were actually really good. We we um, set up Zoom classes. We started doing lessons on their original schedule every eight weeks. We got them in. We tried to do. So I was doing like, you know, uh, I was actually using the free Zoom at the time, so I had, I had like a forty-minute window. But it actually worked. Out. <laughs> it worked out lovely because I was able to do a half-hour lesson, have a chat with them, right, lads away, and and do a wee bit of work here. And I'll see, I'll see you in an hour and then we'll do another wee stint. And then we would do that gradually throughout the week. And then we could still access their, their portfolio of work, which is online. And I would say, right, there's some work to do. So we could only do the theory side. We couldn't do any practical, but that's when I started discovering then people like, uh, Scanner Danner and all the guys that are online. Um, uh, you know, Darren, you spoke to recently, their mechanic mindset, you know, found out about all Mm -hmm. these. Amazing guys that are out there doing this work. And I started sharing those videos with my students and using their case studies to help my teaching. And, you know, uh, so it worked out okay. Um, That lasted for about a year and I started letting them come in to the center for online assessments and things that we couldn't do remotely. And then gradually we've just been getting more and more back to normal. So now we're thankfully as normal as we're going to get, I think, for a while.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. Um yeah, that spring of 2020 we had to go all online and had to figure out the whole Zoom thing and recording lectures and stuff like that. But luckily it was the next fall they let us come back in person uh because our so the shops here in the states they were all open and they they were deemed mm-hmm. you know one of the essential uh mm-hmm. industries and so um our students were working and the shops needed people. It was surprisingly busy actually in shops, uh, you know, considering that people probably weren't driving as much, um, through this whole thing. Shops have been crazy busy. Um, I don't know if that has to do with the cost of new vehicles and stuff like that, but anyways, we were, we were rocking and rolling and the shops needed, you know, students to hire. So, uh, we wanted to get back in person as soon as possible. And we told our administration like, Hey, we got it. We got to have these guys and girls back in person yeah. if you want us to teach this stuff. It doesn't work any other way, not effectively. I mean, you can you can try, and we did, and I'm sure like you, you know, you figure stuff out, but it's just not the same as being in person for this. So they let us go back in. Hold uh, that Ben? That was the fall of 20, and so we were back. We were like the only program on it because our campus is huge. It's two two sides of the road there's an east and west campus and there's a lot of mm-hmm. academic courses which still to this day haven't come back to in person they're still doing online but that la the fall of 2020 it was like yeah. a ghost town in this place because there was like three programs that were in person and we were one of them so it was like we had the <laughs> entire college to ourselves It was yeah. very strange you kind of get spoiled with that too though don't you it was, it was, it was <laughs> yeah well So my, my normal classroom is relatively small and there's no windows. So I kind of think it's like a a little dungeon that we're, (laughs) we're crammed into. And if I have 16 students, it's, it's, we're shoulder to shoulder in there. But during the, during last year, because there was nobody else on campus and they also wanted us, you know, spaced out so many feet apart, that was part of the the rules for us to be on campus so they gave me this like 50 person science classroom that had two projectors one for each side of the screen i had big windows that looked out over the front of the school i was like oh this is this is pretty cool (laughs) and i did i got spoiled with that now i'm back in my normal little dungeon yeah we were our, our our building
1: I mean, it's a relatively small, it's a, it's a decent building, yeah, I mean, it was purpose built not that long ago, um, but there, there's kind of like, uh, what, three main classrooms, and you, you could, ordinarily you could fit a our gr- group of 12 in no problem, but obviously the numbers were two metre distance and, and all that, and at one point yeah. I think, there, it was kind of the same time as you, around that sort of autumn time. Um, in twenty, they were starting to let us creep back in, and we were we were begging them to let us do practical work because these guys need to get in and take stuff apart and touch things and see it with their own eyes and all that. You, you well know. Yep. Um. So there there was one particular class we were doing engine, we were covering engine. It was just a uh, it was level two engine, so it was just kind of like naming components and actually. And I always like to let them just take an engine right down to the guts and start identifying components and then putting it back together and seeing what we can measure, what the techniques are, all that type of stuff. So I was only allowed, I had a group of six, and I was only allowed to bring three in at a time. So at one point I'm standing in this, you know, light bigger workshop by myself, nobody else in the building, just me and three students. The other three students are working at home. I'd asked them to prepare a presentation. and One had to do their understanding of a diesel engine, how it works and how it's constructed, one had to do a GDI, patrol, uh, petrol and one had to do a normal sort of port injection. Um, and then we put, we presented them up on a, on a whiteboard in the, in the workshop. And the three guys that were with me had to critique their, their presentation and give them a bit of feedback and stuff. So we okay. were kind of messing around with all this stuff, but like the whole place was empty. We could do whatever you want. There was no scheduling issues. There was, you know, it was like, if we want to go use computers, we'll go use computers. If we want to use the workshop and do whatever we want, we can, you know, it was, it was. It was good, but, you know, it's, it's good it's,
0: to have them all back, too,
1: though.
0: Okay, so two questions. Um, One, what is your favorite part of teaching? And then number two, what's your biggest challenge that you have with teaching? My favorite part? It's got to be
1: the guys. Uh, it has to be, you know... <laughs> I don't know how. You feel about it like but sometimes you get a, a great group and the whole the mm-hmm. group as a whole are fantastic. Sometimes you get a group that you don't like them all together but you maybe you like them all individually. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get a really difficult group and having to figure all those characters out and you know you kind of almost have to win them over in the first few blocks of training and mm-hmm. you know once they see what you're about and it's a, you said it earlier if you're honest with them and you're real with them you know that's quite easy for the most part you still get the odd ego and things mm-hmm. like that, but like normally by the time these guys are leaving level three qualified they think you're your best mate, you know and you're, you're, you're having crack in the class I try to keep a very relaxed and open you know uh, atmosphere in the class I don't want people sitting there like they're in school You know, falling asleep in the desks and hating being there. You know, so we we try to have a bit of fun, and you know, most of the guys the first couple of weeks you see them, they won't talk to each other, and then slowly but surely they start bodying up and we ones and twos. And after a year, all of them are you in a group chat together, having a laugh, hanging out after after tech, and you know, so I love all that side of it, just building up those relationships and. You know, it's you kind of look forward to maybe bumping into them ten years down the line, and you know you're in mm-hmm. seeing a new student. You go, "Oh, how are you going?" You know, oh, I thought you're doing brilliant. You know, I can't wait for that side of it too. Um, so yeah, definitely the the students is is number one. Like it's, I mean, I love I love trying to trying to encourage them to to, to really want to learn this stuff too, but that's hard work. You know, that's, that's,
0: that's yeah. probably
1: one of the, the difficult things, I suppose. That nearly answers your second question without meaning to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the frustration of the guys that don't care. We're, we're quite lucky in that our students, um, most of them really want to be there. It's very difficult to get into our training program. Okay. Um, well, not very difficult, but it's, it's tricky. Uh, they have to put a bit of work in, you know. Um, so the, generally the guys we get are, Of us, of a you know, they've maybe done better in their high school grades, Um, you know, and and there's more of a a real passion. A lot of them come from some sort of mechanical background. Their dad fixes cars, they race, they do whatever. Um, But when you get the the guy that just doesn't want to be there, he's just there because he has to be, and no matter what angle you get at, you know that they try and
0: get them to do something. Uh, and you're just beating your head against the wall. That's pretty, yeah, I, I agree with both of those. Um, I, I really have enjoyed the connection and relationships you build with the students during the class. And then even after I've kept in touch with several students after they graduated and I get to hear from them occasionally and see what they've got going on. And that's, that is really cool to see them start their careers and be successful. Um, But yeah, you know you're always going to have that person. I think I've had at least one every year where, yeah, they don't really want to be there. They don't want to put in effort. You know, just falling asleep in the first five minutes of class, or they're you know consistently on their phone as opposed to paying attention. And you know, you can you can lean on them and push and. It's more of just a constant battle, but you know, there's just, I've come to accept, you know, there are just some people that, Hey, it's not right for them or it's not right for them right now. You know, they're not ready to take on this responsibility and challenge right now. And I can only do so much if they don't want to do it. Like I'll do my best, but I'm not going to convince everybody that this is the best thing in the world to do. So I just sort of accept it, I guess, and try my best.
1: Yeah. I mean, so some of them come in in the first year, they're, they're, they're loving it. And then something happens at work, maybe, and maybe work isn't going so great. And then all of a sudden they just, the the attitude changes. And that's almost worse because they've started off so well. The guys that start off and don't want to do it from day one, they tend to drop off pretty quick. And Joe, I hate, I hate to see people leaving, but at the same time, if it's not for you, it's not for you. There's no point wasting three years of, of everybody's time just so that you can
0: go and drive a delivery van
1: at the end of it you know
0: <laughs> yeah exactly it's better to find out early than five years in that this is not for me <laughs> yeah definitely cool man um well you got anything else for me before we wrap this up
1: It's pretty good uh, that, actually um you, you mentioned Was it. it ases is it um, yes so uh, uh, funny, i was i was listening to one of your podcasts on the way home when you were talking to somebody about that and you know what it meant to him you know how would he def- you know what yeah, uh, so like uh he was talking about having the blue badge and his overalls and stuff and like kind of made him proud. I mean, are the ASEs kind of the equivalent of our level three qualification over there or what's it's up?
0: That? Yeah, that's it's pretty much the only standard there is for the automotive industry outside of if like you worked at a Toyota dealership, they probably have their own I know they have their own, you know, certifications yeah. within the brands, but something that covers all of automotive. And if you're in the independent world, like working at a, you know, mom and pop shop or a Firestone or something, that's, that's all you have for certifications is the ASE. Um, they are written tests. And so there's a lot of, you know, debate, you know, you could pass all of your ASEs and not really be that great at fixing cars in reality. Right. You could be really good at taking tests. Um, And some people are. And so there's some debate there as far as the validity, but yeah, it's, it's all we have as an accrediting body. And it just shows, I've always thought it just shows your commitment to the industry and to bettering yourself. And it is like, you got that patch on your shoulder. um, You know, it doesn't automatically make you the best technician around, but it's just showing that you're striving to be a professional. Mm -hmm in this field, which there's a lot of people that don't. Um, so I, I've got, I mean, our, our program for school is ASE accredited. Um, they worked with us to make sure that we're teaching up to their standards. So I might be slightly biased, but I mean, even when I was in the field, I, I had my ASE certifications and I continue to do so. So um, that's the one thing that people do kind of debate about though, is that there's, it's only written, there's no practical assessment to go along with it okay and so it's an accreditation so do you have to do that every
1: couple of years or is it like a one-time day there
0: yeah it's every four years they come through and comb through the program to make sure that everything's up to date um we actually just went through it with the auto body Mm -hmm. program at our school too and that was their initial accreditation which is the the first time that they do it it's a huge huge amount of work and then. Subsequent years, you kind of have everything set up and it's not as much, but it's still it's it's a ton of paperwork and documentation of all the curriculum and the shop and the tools. And it's it it is a an undertaking, to say the least. Um, But then you have that accreditation. What's kind of nice because we're within a community college and. That accreditation kind of gives us a buffer from administration coming down and telling us what we have to do. Right. We can just say, well, here's here's this professional, you know, this standard for automotive. They've said we're up to this level. Just let us do our thing. And they do for the most part, which I enjoy quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like the I like the idea of the accreditation we, we have uh here as well. Um
1: I uh, like I done an ADAS accreditation recently, so uh, you know ADAS approved uh, calibration technician, I think it was called. Um, so you got to do that every couple of years. But uh, you know our guys come out of, after being in my class for three years, they get a qualification that stays with them for life. But there's no incentive, uh, pressure, or anything like that for them to continue to learn after that. So you know, for me, I done that twenty years ago. You know, no one has ever forced me to go, well, look, things have changed in 20 years. Can you, you know, go and do a bit of CPD, you know, and and, Mm. improve on what you already know? So, yeah, that's a pretty cool way to do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Um, I enjoyed this. Thanks for taking the time with me. Well, this morning, this afternoon, whichever it is for each, each <laughs> <Yeah>. of us. <laughs> yeah, it's coming on to dinner time for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I gotta get, uh, I gotta get rolling on my, my jobs for the day. I got some mole work to do, so that's where I'm yeah. headed. <laughs> Never stops, yeah. No, I appreciate you having me on. It's been good to meet you and, uh, yeah. well, get talking to you. We'll do it again you at some point or another.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Okay, that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to give one more big thank you to Gary for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. also want to thank everybody out there for listening to the show and all the feedback that I've been getting. Uh, keep it up. I love to hear from everybody. Also, uh, I'm going to be at Vision in Kansas City this week. So uh, if you are there as well, uh, make sure to find me. Come say hi. We'll uh, grab a beer uh, shoot me a message on Facebook, and uh, we'll uh, we'll meet up somewhere out there. But with that all out of the way, let's all get out there, fix the world one car at a time.